Dreamers and weepers, wrap yourself in the black cloak of philosophy. Observe the finite beauty of meaningless minutia, and let the ripples of your being dissolve into the silent roar of the city. Because it's time, I mean, I, I guess, to talk tall to me. <sighs> if we have to, I don't see the point. I mean, I did put on all this eyeliner. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I am Omen Said. And I just got caught drinking a cup of coffee. I am Nick McGill. <laughs> we are Feckless Mobs. And this is Talk Tell to Me. An early morning melancholy meander through the damp neighborhood of Prague Rock in which Nick and I, unshowered and unkempt, make our way down back alleyways of the history of Jethro Tull. Every emo outfit an album, every exaggerated sigh a song, Nick and I will stop off for a coffee at the Hammond Hammond Cafe, peruse the bar bookshop, and stare listlessly through the window at the De Palmer Art Gallery, searching for meaning and wondering if after last night, Ian Anderson will ever call us back. He'll ghost us, and we'll never forget. They always do. <laughs> welcome back, Omen. Hello, good morning. Hey, welcome back, Nick. Welcome back, all of you sweet, fine listeners, who I know will never ghost us. We are on track number, what are we on, four? On track number four of minstrel in the gallery we Indeed. are this is the final track off of side a if oh. uh, for those of you listening to the vinyl yeah but before we dig into any of that mm -hmm. we have a little housekeeping as usual from both of our fine employees here oh i'm just getting something uh getting stuffed down the laundry chute for some reason okay there we go oh thank you thank you mary I'm stuck next to a pair of socks. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I chased them down because I didn't want you to have one curled foot. <laughs> dedication, Nick. You know, it's hard. To, it's really. It's hard to. It's hard to find dedication in employees these days. Yeah, I mean, it's if if you find someone who's willing to to go down a laundry chute after keep one them. single sock, you keep them. Yeah, you do yeah. what you need to do to keep them. Which sock was it? It's the orange one made of wool. Uh, see, that's my favorite, Nick. It's, that's one of my favorite socks. She knows, and like, she knows that. You probably never that. had that discussion, but she knows that. No, no, no. She just knows. So, let's see. Uh, we seem to have a tweet here. Oh, a tweet. Tweet, tweet. Tweet, tweet. See you in the morning. Our second favorite Scotsman, Alan Begg, tweets, at Omen Said, I don't know if there's any shows near you guys, but we'll be seeing the good Lancelot at Kinross again in 2021, the fates permitting. Wow. To celebrate the 50th anniversary of Aqualung, Martin and the band will be playing the classic in its entirety. Oh, wow. And there's a link to martinbar.com, the 50th anniversary tour of Aqualung. Pretty exciting stuff. Very nice. I'll I'll put that link in show notes if anybody's looking to to get out there. I didn't realize they were scheduling tours again. That's that's exciting. 
I mean, of course, you know, pending pending it being possible, but naturally possible locations for shows include Derby in the UK, Largo, Florida, Boca Raton, Florida, Buffalo, New York, Hudson Falls, New York, wow. Rockville Center, Ridgefield, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania. Wow. Illinois. Even Peoria, Illinois. Most exciting thing Even that's happened. Even Peoria. <laughs> in Peoria. <laughs> Texas. Arizona. Full on tour. Back in the UK. Yeah. It's a big old tour. Mm-hmm. Just want to put out there, thanks, Arizona. We'll leave it at that. Thanks, Arizona. Yeah. I, this is late. Late, late coming in context. Boys, right. But yes. Right. But thanks. What else have we got, Nick? For me, I just want to throw in a quick no. I, we haven't mentioned it in a while. If you look in the show notes, you can check out the Talk Tell to Me publishing schedule oh. of when every song is going to be played and and work your way down the line. Plan your outfits accordingly. Exactly. I think I honestly, I think that's the joke that you made the last time we mentioned it, like I, I've five only months really, ago. Really, only got one or two. Nick. <laughs> and I just hope plan your outfits accordingly fits into to any situation. Exactly. Otherwise, I'm not funny. <laughs> <laughs> so there is that. We have ourselves an email from regular writer inner Jacqueline. Nice. This came in on November 5th. Hello, Nick and Omen. Today is my 38th birthday. Whoa. Happy birthday, Jacqueline. Happy birthday. I was sitting here listening to Thick as a Brick and thinking of my youth. Woof. <laughs> never never pleasant to do that. That is, as the kids say, a big mood. <laughs> a big, a big thick, a big thick mood. Yes. I found a link in regard to War Child that you might enjoy. It's all the bonus tracks of War Child with just Ian's vocals. Huh. It's amazing. And I've, I listened to some of it. It's just a 20, like it's a 21 minute of all the tracks. And it's, let's see, it's got Paradise Steakhouse, Saturation, Good Godmother, Sea Lion Quartet, War Child 2, Tomorrow Was Today, Glory Row, March the Mad Scientists, and Rainbow Blues. Now, wait, when you say just Ian Anderson's vocal, what what else is there? It's just him singing. There's little to no instrumentation underneath oh yeah interesting yeah please check it out and tell me which is your favorite i like paradise steakhouse Mm. i didn't listen to the whole thing in its entirety but i did skip through and there's a part in glory row where he gets like really breathy and i don't know if it's affected or or he's like just losing wind at that point but it's it's really interesting to hear it without the adulteration of of all of the other instruments and stuff going on I'll, I'll put the link for that into the show notes as well because it's it's really interesting to hear if you have 20 minutes so cool. I, I highly recommend listening to it thank you so much Jacqueline for enhancing our JTP that's right it is it is the finest JTP in all the land uh, one more thing she says a little bit of trivia oh. one of the people talking in the beginning of Minstrel the oh. Lord and Lady is Dee Palmer Oh, the guy who says hello, Lord and Lady, and int- introducing the minstrel is Dee Palmer. Fascinating. I would love to know where you got that little tidbit. It it might be just in the in the physical copies of the of those remasters. Yeah, I reckon. I wouldn't be surprised. Even in the the initial vinyl release, because there's a lot of info in there. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's mind-blowing. I love that. And she said, have That's a good so, day so and cool. night from Ohio. Your fan, Jacqueline, from JTP. 
Thank you. Thank you. The JTP, the Jethro Tell Protocol remains on a constant trigger, hair trigger setting. <laughs> always, always ready to institute the, Jeth- the Jethro Tell Protocol. That's it. And finally, before we dive into the track itself, yes, we are going to get into, I think it's time. It is time, Nick. That we get into the review for this album for Minstrel in the Gallery. And of course, we're going to go for the Rolling Stone review. Yeah. Because at this point, we're dug in. We we can't do anything else. Yeah. How come you know better than me that this is not love? This is not love. November 6th, 1975, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Written by Jean-Charles Costa. Ooh, a new one. Okay. New blood. Maybe maybe there'll be a, ch- a change of tone here, Nick. Maybe. Chances are most of you have long forgotten the notion of Elizabethan boogie as an <laughs> art form. I'll never forget. <laughs> well, it's revived here on Minstrel in the Gallery, Jethro Tull's latest concept as afterthought entry in the fall record sweepstakes. Woof, okay. The fact that Ian Anderson and the lads have once again plundered the British secular music tradition signifies little and delivers less. Oh my god. <laughs> this isn't this isn't a long one, so I think we'll read it in its entirety. I I'm 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 hurting already, but but carry yeah. on. Anderson still holding to a self-consciously bizarre musical stance, has difficulty maintaining the center of attention with his mannered vocals, irrepressible flute, and acoustic guitar. And although, accompanied only by his guitar, he introduces each hauntingly familiar refrain as a ballad, aided by intimate spoken intros and incidental studio background noises, the tunes are soon deluged by a wash of lugubrious string passages and the anachronisms of Jeffrey Hammond Hammond's mechanical bass lines and Martin Barr's hysterical electric guitar montages. Is is that your complaint that, that in Elizabethan time they didn't have electric basses? I think that and the fact that the strings are too lugubrious. Oh, heaven forbid. You know what? If at this point you don't realize that Dee Palmer's strings are anything but lugubrious, yeah, there's very little lugub. Get a, get out get out at all. That's why right, there's say. a little bit there's a little bit more. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need <laughs> take, to take your blood pressure <sighs> medication. Get this get this paper bag and breathe into it. In addition, contrary to the LP's basic concept, the lyrics are instantly forgettable. <laughs> In keeping with the times, Tull does get points for technical competence. Still, despite the diligence with which these gents execute the often cliched arrangements, the most soulful moment on the album is a line from Baker Street Muse, said in passing by Anderson as he Mm. leaves the studio. Mm -hmm. Finding the door locked, he screams, I can't get out! I can't get out! That's roughly the same feeling that this listener got about midway through side one. Woof. Eh. And Baker Street Muse isn't on until halfway through. Oh, it's the last, tr- the second to last track off of, of the B side. Yeah. B side. And it's like, it's like 14 minutes long. Yeah. So that is the uh, Rolling Stones review for Woof. this album. Nick, thoughts, reactions, feelings. Just to clarify, lugubrious is an adjective meaning looking or sounding sad. 
and dismal. Hmm. I, I, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I am not surprised. And unfortunately, I disagree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> T- tell me, what is the, what's the, what's the thing that you take the most issue with there, Nick? I take the, the most umbrage to the sentence, Anderson, still holding to a self-consciously bizarre musical stance. That is true. Yeah. However, I, I, I disagree with has difficulty maintaining the center of attention with his mannered lyrics, yeah. irrepressible flute, and acoustic guitar. I mean, yeah, I... it is the exact opposite, I feel. Yeah. And shame, shame on you, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wow. Jean, Jean-Charles Costa. Yeah. Yeah. Shameful. I do not like. I think the biggest thing that I that I disagree with is that the lyrics are instantly forgettable. Also that. A, yeah. A lot of memorable lyrics. I remember Black Satin Dancer all the time. Black Satin Dancer. One white duck on my wall. One white duck on your wall. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's just a Baker Street news. <laughs> Who can forget such classics as With the Baker Street Roots? Minstrel in the gallery. The minstrel in the gallery. Yeah, they're all. I mean, granted, we've just <laughs> said the names of every song, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but still, still, come on now. <laughs> Isn't it just too damn real? Isn't it just too damn real? I forget what song that's from. That's One White Duck. I know, I was joking. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, so that's the Rolling Stone review. No surprise. Great big really stinker. There. Yeah. But you know what critics disliked? Mm, Elvis. Probably. Yeah, some did. Yeah. The gyrations made them uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it did. They did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> with that out of the way, what do we have the pleasure of talking tall about this week? Goodness me, we are talking Requiem today. Ooh, Requiem. So fourth track off of the A side. That's right. Final, final off of side A. It is a tight 345. Nice. And another another lovely ditty from Ian's un from Ian's forgettable acoustic and lugubrious strings and irrepressible yeah. flute and and forgettable lyrics and don't forget those forgettable lyrics. I will how never can I forget how can forget. I forget those forgettable <laughs> lyrics? Well, now that we're all excited, let's have a listen. <laughs> let us let us mourn the loss of the requiem. <laughs> So, Nick, there we have Requiem. How many handkerchiefs did you go through in the, the listening of that song? Whew. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ten. Nine of them were for my nose. <laughs> I know we've, we've been talking how how this a lot of the songs on this album kind of seem to transcend time a little bit. Ooh, whoa, yeah. 
this song is nearly four minutes long, and it, I feel like it's only a minute. Yeah, I feel like this song is so quick. It's so funny that you say that, Nick. Well, I was listening to it this morning, and I, when I first played it, I listened to it several times in a row, and I, I, I queued it up, and I was like, all right, yeah, this is one of those minute and a half long songs, and then it's not. Yeah. It's nearly four, but I do you, now. Now, are you agreeing with me that you feel like it goes quickly? Yes, <laughs> or or not? I mean, you you can disagree. No, I I think that uh, yes, I I do. I also think that that my experience of it was that the memory of it is a lot shorter. Yes, mm-hmm. than the playing of it. Yeah, agreed. Very much agreed. Yeah, I guess because so much of it is so instantly forgettable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jean Jean. John Marie was totally right in that regard. And I I think that for me, it's a function of the structure. Hmm. Okay. That, you know, in Tull songs, we're so used to these, these big changes of tempo, changes of style, changes mm-hmm. of key, it's sudden addition of instruments that really break up the, the, the trajectory of a song and, kind of leave you always like oh well what's going to happen next oh my gosh this part yeah yeah that this has a much simpler structure it's very much more straightforward we set up the chord structure two verses a little reprise at the end a couple little moments of instrumental that's it yeah yeah it's very simple it's very much i'm going to to tell you this story yeah just me and my guitar mm mm-hmm. And all of my sad, sad feelings. <laughs> all of this sorrow. This is a this is a newly divorced man singing this song. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> let's before we jump into music, mm-hmm. let's quickly define the word requiem. Very good. Yep. Would you like to do it or shall I? I shall do it. Do it. A requiem, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, mm-hmm. refers to a mass. For the repose of the souls of the dead. Those lost. Yep. Or a musical composition for such a mass. Right. Or an act or token of remembrance. But the original definition is a mass for the repose of the souls of the dead. Middle English from Latin, requies or rest. Yeah. I think we can separate it from that Catholic definition and and just to do more a remembrance for the lost indeed although it's important to remember ian's catholic upbringing very true right or or at least church of england i'm not entirely sure this is about someone who has died no i think that it is about a repose for the soul of a dead moment or a dead relationship Mm mm-hmm yeah. Well, let's let's briefly do a rundown of the music, as is our tradition. Yes. We start very simply with another instance of that kind of live performance feel, just very simply, quietly, Ian counting himself in. Two, three, four. One, two, three, sad, two, three. <laughs> Tears, two, three. One, one tear, three. <laughs> one tear, two tear, red tear, blue tear. <laughs> It is actually in 4-4 four, four time. Okay. Very very simple, slow. That's all it needs to be. I think I think the simplicity of being in 4-4 four, four adds to it. I, I, I think if it were anything terribly proggy, it wouldn't be just a simple song of, of, of loss and remorse. Yeah. 
And now we know that in Monaco, in the mobile recording studio, Ian spent a lot of time by himself. Yeah, I can see him just <laughs> a guitar and a click track on this one, just like he was saying. He just went in in the morning with his coffee, recorded it, came out. It was already dark out. Yeah. dark Darker than his teardrops. Darker than his soul. He hadn't showered in days. Yep. Yeah, but he would have stayed in there for a while because there are two sets of acoustic yep, and least, two sets definitely. of vocal in here. Mm-hmm. Not including yeah. the the strings, obviously, that, that D would have orchestrated and conducted after the fact, obviously. Right, right. Lugubriously. So lugubrious. And we have a bass, a bass guitar. Now, Oh, I didn't notice the bass. Yeah. Now, in all likelihood, it's probably Jeffrey Hammond Hammond. Yes. But it is at least within the realm of possibility that Ian could have played the bass line himself. Because mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's not that, not a super complicated thing. And he has been known to do so in the, in other tracks. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking most notably of Jack and the Green from Songs from the Wood. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I, I don't know, you know, it's hard. But that being said, my guess is he probably, he did his part, at least the, the, the main part. And then, and then sent sent Jeffrey in to to do his part, and then, and right. then built and Jeffrey, off of that. Jeffrey saged the studio. <laughs> Jeff opened, Jeffrey walked, opened the door, tears in his eyes, and said, "Ian, mate, are you okay? You want to talk?" And, and Ian Ian didn't say anything. He just slowly sank into the ground. Just, just disappeared. No one into, saw Ian Anderson for the next five days. Into an underground cave. <laughs> Disturbed only by the sounds of the Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah, there are some, I mean, in terms of acoustic guitar playing, it is lovely. Oh, it's great. Lovely. It's great. Especially, it's, yeah. especially delightful is that little bit at the end where he just kind of goes off in in almost a very classical guitar fashion. Yeah. Ba-da-doom, 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 ba-da-doom. Just, just kind of, I mean, it just improvs it, you know, like it just, it just, it feels feels very kind of off the cuff almost. It does feel that way. Whether it is or not, who knows? But right. yeah. And and it ends in an unresolved mm. fashion in mm-hmm. terms of the notes. Much yeah. like his feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There 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 is a lot unresolved. By the time this is recorded in seventy five, there is a lot not resolved. Yeah. You know, who's who's taking Jeffrey's spot? We gotta start a tour for this album. Who's Jeffrey going to live with who, after the who, divorce? Whose apartment will Jeffrey redecorate? Who gets Jeffrey on holidays? <laughs> every other holiday, every other weekend. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. Mm. It's just not enough time to spend with Jeffrey. That's all I'm trying it's to not. say. Yeah. It's not. I mean, all all joking aside, this was a little bit of a, a an interesting time for the band. We'll talk sure. a bit more, more about the history later. We've talked a little bit about the history of this moment in the past, but... Mm-hmm. Essentially, these gentlemen had been on tour together for five, for four years, About, only yeah. stopping for long enough to record albums and then going right back on the road. Yeah. So, so they're they're clearly very little time spent apart. Yes, and very little time for rest. Oh, right. Yeah. At this point, Jeffrey Hammond Hammond had, I believe, made it clear his intentions of leaving mm-hmm. and apparently he always sort of felt like an imposter in the music scene and and he just you know he'd, he'd realized at this point that he had made enough money that he could basically retire and just concentrate on painting which was his first love 
Right. And John Evans was, according to Ian in the book A Passion Play, The Life and Times of Jethro Tull, was drinking too much and playing classical music incessantly. <laughs> like like physically playing it or just playing the music, like like putting on records? I think physically playing it with his hands on the keyboard. Shameful. Shameful, I know. What, what, what an embarrassment. Put that, put that stuff Bach. Um, I'm going to Mozart right out of here. I don't know. (laughs) So, so yes, I think all of this supports this, this kind of idea that Ian was spending a lot of time by himself with his feelings and those feelings we're sad. It is it is definitely a time of transition on so many levels and we re- we do really see that. Everything is is really dark and 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 dull and depressing on this album in in one form or another. And yeah, we are definitely seeing that. And yeah. and you know what? Like divorce sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if if the person that you've spent the last Five years with that you went into a relationship expecting to spend the rest of your life with. If that falls apart, who wrote apart, the lyrics like, to your greatest hits? Right, yeah, she wrote half the lyrics on Aqualung, the yeah. the song, not the, the album, song. but still, like that's that's rough. That's rough. Even if you hate each other's guts, that is a huge life change. And also, let's remember that Ian is not that old at this point. It's not like he's right. You know, it's not like he's a a forty year old man past his midlife crisis getting a divorce not that that's better or or easier right he's mid-20s at this point i believe he's mid-20s and yeah. is already getting divorced uh ay, ay, ay. yeah well, i can imagine feelings yeah i'm i'm sure feelings were had as as we can tell by this entire album yeah feelings not just for the 1970s anymore feelings in the gallery <laughs> a minstrel in the feelings <laughs> one white feeling on a wall all right i <laughs> i have nothing else musically other than than it, it is it is that like we've seen earlier in this album it is that that next that next evolutionary step in in ian's acoustic yeah from something say like aqualung where it, it seems it seems to have a little simpler of a sound and a feel to it this is this is hands down more complex as Jean, Jean something Costa. I don't remember. Jean Charles Costa. Yeah, pointed out what credit where credit is due. The 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 skill level on the acoustic guitar is really extraordinary. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, just just that alone is is noteworthy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, with that being said, let us jump into the lyrics. Yeah. Let me just pop a Xanax here really quick. I will pop a ketamine. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So now we're good to go. Mm-hmm. It is slightly allegorical, but also not so much by the second stanza. Yeah. So we start with this kind of naturescape, this this series of nature images. Well, I saw a bird today flying from a bush and the wind blew it away. Well, I saw Strong wind, little bird. Strong wind. I, little I can bird. see that. Yeah, exactly, Nick. 
And the black-eyed mother's son scorched the butterfly at play. Velvet veined, I saw it burn. I'm the black-eyed mother's son Scorched the butterfly at play Velvet veined, I saw it burn Yeah, it is. It, we're getting imagery of things that are supposed to give life, things that are supposed to be nurturing and and provide for us, doing damage and and harming the things that are delicate and rely on those things. Yes, exactly. I wrote down: nature crushes the tender beings. Mm, yeah, life finds a way, but nature is unforgiving and doesn't care. If you don't survive, something else will. That's right. You know, they say that every cloud has a silver lining. Yeah, they do say that. Well, this lyric says, a silver cloud blew right on by. A silver cloud blew right on by. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a silver lining. I have no opportunity to even see the silver lining, to gain benefit from the silver lining, because there it goes. And taking in the morning, I sang, Ho, Requiem. (laughs) And taking in the morning, I sang, What an eloquent and elegant way to say, Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> to just just be so beaten down. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of, Nick? A, to- a totally different song from a very different genre, but a similar feeling, I think. Do you know Johnny Cash's Sunday Morning Coming Down? I don't. I, I may have heard it. I don't know it off the top of my head. It's about waking up on a Sunday morning, kind of having everything be unsatisfactory and mm. and just basically having the big sad. Yeah. Because there's nothing short of dying that's half as lonesome as the sound uh, of something, something, something. <laughs> and Sunday morning coming down. Because there's something in a Sunday that makes a body feel alone And there's nothing short of dying That's half as lonesome as the sound Of the sleeping city sidewalks And Sunday morning coming down Having heavy boots. Yeah. For a a Victorian slang version, it's you got the morbs. You got the morbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure do. And then we have a little break, mm-hmm. and we come back with, I think, the substance of the song. We've, we've sort of had the the haiku written in tears, kind of oblique description of what the song is about. Yeah, we, we, we had the buildup, the evidence of the depression, and now we have the the experience, the cause, the antagonism of the depression. Yeah, we have the 
the metaphor and seeing seeing your state in the world around you, and then we have the cause of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, my lady told me stay. Sounds good so far. I looked aside and walked away. Oh no. Along the Strand, another Strand reference. We have a geographical pinpoint here. London. Yep. Along the Strand. Just already, just in the kind of physicality of what we're setting up, my lady told me to stay. And rather than saying, and I looked her right in the eye and told her, you harlot, you'll (laughs) never take what's my, you know, like, or instead of saying, and I ran out the door away from that woman, I looked aside and walked away. I couldn't even face the situation head on. Yeah. It's it's so insalvageable that that I I just I had to walk away. There's nothing I could say to her asking me to stay. Yeah. It my decision has been made. No no amount of of pleading and 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 bargaining will will change this. I am the butterfly. I'm the butterfly that has been scorched. Velvet, Velvet veined. veined. <laughs> Black satin veined. Black satin butterfly. (laughs) But I didn't say a word as the train timetable blurred close behind the taxi stand. But I didn't say a word as the train timetable blurred close behind the taxi stand. So here's a, I, I love this image, Nick, because I think that mm. with classic Andersonian ambiguity, it can be read in two different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As the train timetable blurred, well, why did it blur? Is it because the viewer had tears in his eyes? It's allergies. Perhaps? I'm fine. It's allergies. <laughs> I'm allergic to breakups. <laughs> <laughs> So it could be that. It could be the tears in his eyes. Or, you know, these these train timetables in Europe where they have trains, Nick. That they they do something with time, the trains do? I I'm sorry, that was a that was a dig at our at our our trainless, our anemic train system here in the US. Yeah. No, I was I and I was I was commenting that they don't run on time. Yeah. Oh, they don't yeah, yeah, they barely <laughs> run. So in Europe and in England. The, the the trains are you know a big part of the infrastructure, mm-hmm. and the timetables are these huge boards that are all made up of those little letters, those clicky clackies, the clicky clacky letters, yeah. And when they when you get to the end of you know they they sort of go like ten o'clock to twelve, mm-hmm. and then at eleven thirty it changes over to the next set of timetables, and and it's really fun when they do that because all the letters on the entire board, which is like you know a couple hundred of them, yeah. All go, and then one by one they all sort of stop until the the new timetable arrives. They have those boards in like Grand Central too, don't they? In Penn? Nah, it's they, they have some they replace digital them? ones. Okay, which are stupid. Yeah, but the fun thing about those about that big timetable change is that it is this kind of beautiful moment of a reset. Mm-hmm. 
the the whole thing goes. It's not like it's one at a time. The whole thing kind of it's like shaking a etchersketch almost. It's like shaking a baby holding an etchersketch. That's right. Yeah. That's how you do it. Vomit everywhere. <laughs> Probable damage. Yeah. To the etchersketch. To the etchersketch, obviously. So you know it could be that, and and it I, I don't know I I just find it to be a very poetic image. I've also got one more option though. Oh. He could have been standing, he could have lost track of time. He could have been standing there so long that time yes. itself blurred, you know? You you come back yes. into consciousness and it's been it's been three hours that you've been kind of standing there and forlornly looking at this timetable because you didn't really need to be looking at the timetable. You just no, you were just staring off into the distance. You needed a place away. Yeah. You got that thousand mile stare. It's like I imagine that he's there and a homeless man comes up to him and is like you're all right, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you you look pretty bad. Yeah, this guy's got a limp and smells of piss and and, yeah. and has a, a an unlabeled bottle in a brown paper bag. Yeah, yeah. You need you need a sip of this. Yeah. <laughs> so then we have even more specific. Saw her face in the teardrop black cab window. Yeah. Fading into the traffic, watched her go. Saw her face in the teardrop black cab window. So teardrop teardrop is the shape of the window or is is it a is it black it is teardrop black is that no, I where I think it's a tear I think it's a teardrop black cab window I think the oh. cabs have a little bit of a teardrop shape Oh interesting okay I could not figure out what adjective applied to what there Yeah English is hard isn't it it, it it really is, yeah. But it could be that the window itself is tear-shaped, but, you know, the overall shape of those English cabs is a little bit, you know, rounded in the front and tapered in the back. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. But also, obviously... The imagery of the, the teardrop. Tears. Yeah. And black, too. Black cab. Black tears. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not a yellow cab. Yeah, I'm not sure if if they even have yellow cabs over there, to be honest. That's, that is... At least iconically, like, it's a New York thing, the yellow cab. Well, Nick, I lived in London for six months, Mm -hmm. but I was pretty sauced the entire time. (laughs) And I think I only ever took one cab. What color was it? It was early morning. You've contributed nothing to this conversation. (laughs) I think it was black. I think it was black. (laughs) It was expensive. Okay. okay. Well, that's what we learned from the song. Yeah. Yeah. Take the subway. Fading Um, into the traffic, (laughs) watched her go, and taking in the morning, heard myself singing, Oh, Requiem. Here I go again. And taking in the morning, heard myself singing, Oh, Saw her face in the tear. Okay, so that's interesting. So I originally took it as saw her face in the teardrop black window, like he's seeing her in places where she's not. But no, this is this is her actually leaving. Leaving. Fading into I traffic. So. I watched her go. I think so. She yeah, she she left. Even though I'm the one who walked away, even though I'm the one who 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 made this decision that we cannot be together. Right. She says stay, he says nothing. She says, All right. Bye. 
Bye. Yeah. I'll be cashing them royalty checks. <laughs> and then all that he can do, he finds himself singing O Requiem. And what an, what an amazing kind of out-of-body dissociative way mm-hmm. of saying that. Heard myself singing yeah. Requiem. Here I go again. It's the same old story. What's that sad sound? Oh, oh it's me. It's just me. <laughs> Here I go again. It's the same old story. Hmm. I mean, if, if any song on this album is lugubrious, it is this one. This song is the most lugubrious of a, by a long shot, I think. It, it, oogas, it, 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 it oozes it oogas, lugubriosity. It goobers. It goobers. <laughs> and then to finish up, well, I saw a bird today. I looked aside and walked away. Well, I saw a bird today. I looked aside and walked away. Along the strand. Can't even look at the bird because it reminds me of the happy times. Because the bird told him to stay and he said, he said nothing and he walked away. Yeah. And he got blown away in a breeze. So, so at the risk of speaking about a relationship that we really don't know very much about. You know, I think that, you know, we've talked about this before, that the the pressures of a touring life on a relationship are extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can only imagine the the difficulty of that. Either the, the, the partner not involved in the music tours with you, mm. or or they stay and you see them... Mm. once a month if you're lucky probably mm. no cell phones in 75 no no cell phones so you're you're calling on landlines when you make it to the hotel no facetime no facetime no skype no zoom no nothing maybe uh maybe a sexy letter if you're lucky a saucy letter that's that kind of smells like her perfume but but also you know Easy to send a saucy letter home. Difficult to get a saucy letter when you're on the road because... Correct. Where do you send it? Yeah. Yeah. So you could send it to the send it to the Motel 6 in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. But, but he, what if but what if you, you know... They were in Sheboygan it? a week ago. Yeah. And the post service, well, incredible and we love it. You know, there's a, there's a time delay. Historically has not gotten the attention it deserves and the funding it needs. <laughs> and by historically, I mean this year. So difficult, difficult times in a relationship. And I can imagine, you know, that eventually it can, it's easy for that to reach a, a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, I definitely think that this is, especially because if we didn't have the, the geographical note of this being set in London, I would be tempted to say, oh, this is like a, a, a one night stand or a or a, a weekend fling mm. with somebody, and you couldn't stay because you had to go on tour, man. Because yeah. you're a rock and roll musician, yep. and you're a little sad about it, bro. But right, but if, because it's specifically set in London, as you pointed out. Yeah, I totally agree that this is really about Jay Franks. If we didn't have the geographical or the chronological context, if we didn't know. Without a doubt, that this was at the time that he was he was experiencing all of this with 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 Jenny, because because he could he could very easily not have said he's going down the strand like that. It's a, a fraction of a line. It didn't have to be in this song. 
That's true. But I think that we've seen that the geography of London for Ian Anderson is almost a little bit of the geography of his soul. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, he there are times when he really cannot separate himself from what he is singing. Right. And I, I feel like we're seeing that a bit more and more lately. Yeah. Well, because, you know, he travels so much that, you know, what is what are the areas that he has a, a geographical relationship right. with? It's either Blackpool, which is him as a kid, mm. or it's London, which is him as an adult. Yeah. His theoretical home base when he gets to go back there. Or it's all of the little places that he passes through or the kind of, you know, the amalgam, the amalgamated hotel room. Mm. I heard yeah. I heard somewhere, Nick, that I think it was maybe B.B. King one of these musicians who spent literally his entire life on the road. Right, yeah. When he finally stopped touring, he had he had a house built in which his bedroom was an exact replica of a Hotel 6. Yeah, I believe it. With the same bed, the same air conditioner, the same layout and everything, just, just because that's what felt comfortable. It's like spending 40 years in prison and just living in a, in, in a tiny little crap apartment set up to the way that you've basically known your life the last the last 40 years the bulk of your life cooking in cooking in a hot pot that's right making making toilet wine making toilet wine cooking in a hot pot radiator <laughs> cuisine uh. <laughs> uh anything else about requiem omen oh nick Ugh. i think i think we've we've i think we've we've gotten a lot out of this I think There's, it's it's some great poetry and it's some great it's, yeah. symbolism and analogy here that in with with really simple lyricism he and and instrumentation he really says a lot. I agree Nick. It's it's extraordinary skill elucidating illuminating the feelings of a sad sad lonely lonely man. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 depressed stepdad. It's it's just depressed stepdad energy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, Nick, tell us what are we going to be listening to and talking tall about next week. Next week is one of those songs, one of two songs off of this album that on a single track is made up of, of a couple of different chunks of song. It's, it's, uh, it's akin to a passion play or, or a conglomerate from a seabed that has been over the millennia been crushed together to make one solid thing under exactly. the pressure. Yeah. So those tracks, those conglomerated tracks are, the first track off of side B, it is one white duck slash zero to the power of 10 equals nothing at all. And Nick, I am very much looking forward to that because that is actually one of my very favorite tracks off of this album. It's, it's really good. It's really good. And they, they flow to get, they fit perfectly. They fit very well. It's in, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about, about it. it. Shh, shh, shh. Save it for the podcast. Until next week. Yes. There is n the the only thing I'm mourning the loss of mm. is not having any five star reviews, any fresh reviews to to read to you, sweet dear listener. 
Yeah. You know, Nick, I was uh, I was outside this morning and I saw a butterfly. Yeah. And the butterfly was a five-star review. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then it was burned by the dark-eyed son of our listeners not writing it. <laughs> oh, oh. And then I heard myself sing, oh, Requiem. Oh, Requiem. Requiem for a five-star review that was never written. <laughs> the smash Darren Aronofsky uh, film. Yeah. It's <laughs> cult classic. Definitely. Until next week, I am Omen Sade. Oh, alas, I am Nick McGill. Sadly, we are feckless moms. And unfortunately, this is Talk Told to Me. The Lagoobs. And uh, now we have a presentation of a poem written on the inside of a toilet paper roll in crayon found in an abandoned sandbox. This is Deep, Deep, Deepak. Uh, Hi, everybody. Uh, This is a poem that I wrote about some deep feelings that I had this morning. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it, yeah. (sighs) Corduroy, 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 worn at the elbows like my soul. Mm. Licorice, lick my wrist, lick the sad, sad, sweet blood. Oops, I dropped it. Oh, yes. The ants, the ants, the ants go marching home. What is home? Why don't I have a home in my heart? Where's my home? <sighs> this last line's really hard for me. <clears throat> the skin of my face is like a leather coat that I put on to protect my heart. My heart screams. Oh, talk tall to me. Why are you a proud member of the Feckless Momes audio network? Why? 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 Why?